0: To wake up. What do I mean by that? This is the Paul McGuire report on Paul McGuire. When I talk to you and I say it's time to wake up, I'm speaking to people all over the U.S., the European Union, planet Earth, South America, the Asian continent, and so on and so forth. Because all of these demographics, these population groups, have basic things in common. The average human being, Male, female, and these new categories that I'm not so certain have, I don't believe they really have scientific validity, the newer categories of biological, psychological identities such as the new normal in what it means to be female or the new normal in what it means to be male. Now, putting aside for a moment the moral issues regarding that. We, we have the debate, the aggressive debate in our society based on the evidence that parents have seen over thousands of years regarding the development of their children. And so since the very beginning of time, we have always had essentially two classifications, major classifications, of what it means to be a human being. And so you're either a male human being or a female human being. This has nothing to do with morality on many levels. This has everything to do with whether or not, on a biological basis, you are a male or a female. Now, if you're a male, and and let's not get freaked out, I'm really giving what I'm talking to you now about is. The biological perception which enables us to determine whether or not somebody's male and female. This subject matter is taught beginning in first grade or kindergarten. So, but I do want to be uh, sensitive uh, to different parents' concerns regarding what kind of topics they want introduced to their children and at what ages. And the reason for that is, is that I do not believe that the state or Big Brother, or a big totalitarian government, I do not believe that they have the right to overturn your perspective, your morals, your, your worldview. They don't have the right to do that, especially in America, when, when that right is enshrined in a legal document known as the Constitution, Bill of Rights. So I respect that, and I don't want to trample upon your right to uh, discuss, educate, or bring up the subject. So, but having said that, the majority of our listeners on the Paul McGuire Report are biologically of the age where the majority of them would be discussing this anyway. However, once again, I believe in the rights of the parents to determine what kind of input their child would receive or not receive. So, if you're going, to, if you anticipate that you could be uncomfortable with what we're going to discuss in the next couple of minutes, then I would simply ask you to turn uh, the program off and then resume listening to the recording of the program when it's just you listening, or you and your husband, or a single mother, a single father, or whatever. In other words, I want to respect the power and authority that you should have absolutely as a parent. So. I'm gonna to count to five, and that's the warning that there may be language or topics or subjects that, that you don't want stuck in your child's head. So let's count to five. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, now. In this new world that we live in, there is the comp- there is the total and complete reinvention of what was called or labeled in past generations as the normal normal morals normal values normal perspectives etc etc and so whether the population was christian or non-christian or whatever they were there was a general consensus that people agreed to and in this general consensus it was considered the prevailing norm or the prevailing normal for parents to make the following perceptions okay so here we go with some of the, the, the challenging areas number one a parent or anybody who in, in the purest sense of the terms a parent or anyone who looked upon their son or daughter uh, naked or without clothes on or or being born or whatever if that child male or female, if one child that was named with a male name uh, had a male reproductive organ penis uh, that that child, under the previous norm of, of generations uh, under the previous norm, scattered across history consisting of hundreds or thousands of different generations, universally within that norm, that child, that boy. Would have been categorized as a as a male a boy a male, and the primary indicator that the boy was a male would have been the fact that the boy had a male sex organ or penis, and potentially when that male was older, that male could hopefully in, in, in an appropriate manner. Uh, marriage, have sexual intercourse with a female, and uh, the male could impregnate the female, and and female would give birth to babies. That has been the norm or the normal for thousands of years, and it's a very, very self-evident simple test of identity. If you want to know what your identity is, you look in the mirror naked, and if you look in the mirror naked, you see, obviously, based on your genitalia or based on uh the classification of your sexual organ you would see obviously and blatantly whether or not you were a male or a female and once again it's it's a no-brainer test if you're a male you're going to have very certain specific physical attributes that all revolve around the existence of a male sex organ. Okay? I mean, that's not crude. That's just basic biological fact, which produces basic biological identity. In, in the same manner, if you're trying to figure out who you are in terms of your sexual identity, which is based on your biological sexual identity, you would again look in the mirror or you would look at yourself. And if you were a biological female um, with a biological female identity, you would determine through visual perception that you are a biological female with a biological female identity. Why? First and foremost, you do not have the sexual organ or penis necessary To biologically classify you as a uh, male, and therefore, because because in your uh, anatomical parts you don't have a penis, you don't have a male sex organ, and instead you have a, a vagina and all the other reproductive equipment, for lack of better words, that accompany the vagina. And so, the fact that you Don't have a penis, but you do have a vagina, and the vagina, along with that entire reproductive system, has the capacity to generate an egg with the potential of being fertilized by uh, sperm coming from the male's penis. And when the sperm from the male's penis Connects or unites with the uh, female sexual organ known as the vagina, there is or there is the strong possibility that you can be impregnated. And it's at that point that it's at that, that this is the, the, the all-important dynamic in God's creation of the world. It's at that point that it becomes self-evident and obvious. That you were created by the infinite personal living God of the universe to be a biological female, and because your your physical identity uh, attributes you as a biological female, you then can uh, then you can be impregnated by the sperm, and you can grow a baby inside of your womb, and you have a whole series of highly intelligent, highly developed uh, anatomical equipment that will allow a baby to uh, grow, uh, allow a baby to come to full uh, maturity, and then after the proper amount of time uh, observing God's biological time clock, the, the baby inside of you will will warn or signal the mother through a whole series of events. That, that, that this mother is about ready to give birth to a biologically male or a biologically female being. Now, I said all that because we now live in a world where, where what was considered normal for thousands and thousands of years, what was considered self-evident for thousands and thousands of years. You know, we talk about in our side society today, follow the science, follow the science. But in America and around the world, not only do we not follow the science, we we substitute the science, and by science I mean the biological science, the genetic science. We follow the science arbitrarily, which means we follow the science as long as the science reinforces, and as long as the science affirms our prejudicial perspective of mankind. And the minute our science doesn't adhere to the uh, biological uh, perspective of mankind, we we reject it, we we orphan it, we get rid of it. So once again, uh, the the scientific evidence that proves with 100% accuracy it proves not only your own individual sexual identity by marking you with an unmistakable mark as a female genetically with female dna you have the the primary sign of being a a female and and that's your normal the primary sign of being a female is that you don't have a penis you don't have a male sexual organ instead as a female biologically, which determines your sexual identity biologically, you have um, a, a an absence of a male reproductive organ, and you now possess a female reproductive organ with the associated biological equipment and all of that associated biological equipment plus the blatant sign that you do not have a male sex organ, a penis, instead you have a female sexual reproductive organ known as the vagina, which is capable of being impregnated by the sperm that the male sexual organ releases. And that sperm uh, produces uh, the capacity to fertilize the female egg genetically within inside the womb. And when that happens, you are impregnated, and a baby begins to grow, first microscopically, and then it comes to full term. And then after it has grown, that baby, which is fully capable of being saved. And I, I want to explain this to you because this is, not, this is not truth that you can jettison. This is not truth that you can toss in the garbage. This is true truth. This is final reality, and you got to deal with it. So in final reality and true truth, you, as a female, can become impregnated, and after you're impregnated, after you, you give birth full term, at, at, at the appropriate time, as your biological clock biological normally indicates, you approach the time of birth, and then you give birth to your baby girl or baby boy. And it automatically uh, comes out of your womb, and you simply glance at your child, whether it's a son or a daughter. You simply glance at it, and it is biologically self-evident that you have produced either a baby boy or a baby girl. And this production of the baby boy or the baby girl is based entirely on Uh, whether or not when you perceive the physical body of the baby boy or the baby girl, when you perceive its physical body, you also perceive that the baby girl has the sexual organ of a vagina and the baby boy has the sexual organ of a uh, penis. And, And so right there is the normal by which society has determined And society has followed this template for thousands and thousands of years. There has never been, up until recently, any confusion whatsoever as to when a baby was born, as to whether or not that baby was biologically a male or biologically a female. There there was never, ever any debate or predicament or discussion. Why? Because it was biologically self-evident, And because after it was biologically self-evident, it then became self-evident from the physical biological reality that the girl has a vagina and the associated equipment that's female, and the male has a penis along with the associated biological equipment that affirms that the boy is a male. Very simple. And, And the basis of civilization. So when we go back to the master planner the biological engineer the creator of all things capital c when we go back to the book of genesis where this original normal biological template was created by the creator god this this enables us what i just shared with you enables you and i to not be trapped in the artificial matrix of, of what they call, for scientific mind control reasons, you won't be trapped in the scientific matrix of what, of what they call uh, the new normal. The new normal is a complete fiction. The new normal is a series of social engineering and social indoctrination techniques used to program Men and women into believing a lie about themselves that they pass on to one another and reinforce in the educational system, but it's all based on a lie. And, and the lie is an attempt via social engineering and, and programming, the, the lie is an attempt to deny the reality of biological evidence, to deny the reality of psychological and genetic evidence and even though it is glaringly obvious that the boys are men born and glori- uh, glaringly obvious that the girls and women born have a particular specific sexual identity it's self evident because when you uh, perceive their physical bodies the the number one thing if you want to call it that the number one thing that is providing you with irrefutable evidence as to who these creatures are, male or female. The number one self-evidence, the number one uh, uh, assertion of biological reality, which indicates through perception the, the nature of your child's sexual identity, reality, and the nature of your child's uh, sexual identity reality again and that means they're either male or female there's no there's no middle confused ground and there's no confusion when god first of all you see we have to take this we have to take this principle of truth and the principle of the spirit of god which is the spirit of truth we have to take it further far further than the the modality by which it is taught In the fatally defective educational systems and the fatally defective uh, school systems and media and government agencies, et cetera, et cetera. All of those institutions are programming millions of people that would be considered youths. They're being programmed, they're being socially engineered, they're being conditioned, they're being subjected to mind control, they're being uh, herded into. Uh, intellectual or thought camps in which they are brainwashed via scientific mind control, they are brainwashed to believe a set of falsehoods regarding their primary and fundamental identity. Now, this is evidence of a massive spiritual warfare that is raging in the invisible realm on planet Earth even now as we speak. So even now as we speak, I'm politely asking you to listen up and step up your game, because even now as we speak, there are millions of people in nations all across the world, including America, which are being programmed and indoctrinated with a systematic series Of lies and distortions of the truth, where they can no longer see the obvious, where they can no longer make the rudimentary perception that uh, at the core of their identity, at the very core of their identity, it is self evident on a DNA genetic level, it is self evident that these boys and girls are destined and created by God to express a specific purpose. That specific purpose, the very center of their ministry, the center of their being, revolves around this basic fact, and I'll, I'll illustrate it for you very quickly. The basic fact is simply this. When you are created with a male sexual organ, or when you are created with a female sexual organ, you are, by the testimony and certification of your biological reality, you are identifiable 100% as a uh, DNA genetic male or a DNA genetic female. And there is no way to undo that or reverse that unless one cooperates with... with. Uh, sex-reversal surgeries, chemicals, hormones, and treatments that are non-natur- uh, non-natural that are, attempted, are attempting to override the self-evident core identity that God equipped you with when you were born. And so this is, this is observing biological reality 101. And after the observation of biological reality 101, it it should be obvious within the contextual perception of what's called the new normal, it should be blatantly obvious that in the context of the new normal, you, or whoever we're speaking of, you are not only a child of God, but you are a child of God designed specifically by God Almighty to express your purpose in life, to express your meaning in life, to express your calling in life and identity in life through your sexual identity. And your sexual identity is always self-evident by the fact that your sexual identity is uh, it can be seen through your perception as a uh, an obvious evidence to the fact that you are either a male or female being. And based on whether or not you have a penis or a vagina and the other biological equipment that that testifies that you're male or female, depending upon whether or not you have that biological equipment, male or female, Is the perception evidence? It's the biological reality-based evidence, which offers up one hundred percent conclusive proof that you are indeed a male human being or a female human being, and so there can be no argument. The the operations, the procedures, the counseling, the 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 invasive, painful, and horrific uh, surgical techniques that that essentially amputate breasts, augment breasts, uh, uh, surgically castrate uh, a penis, uh, surgically remove a penis, and replace the penis with uh, an artificial vagina uh, and and any other number of add-ons. These are all, to be quite frank, these are all in, in, in the end result a series of perverse, degrading operations, medical procedures that are not only psychologically brutal, psychologically cruel, but when you see the pictures of them and you see the way they're carried on and they're conducted, when you see the physical evidence of these sex transformation operations, and when you see the physical evidence of the sex Reversal operations. It's impossible not to contrast those operations with the horrific operations that the Nazi genetic scientists performed on uh, men and women who, in Nazi Germany, believed that they were of uh, the wrong race, and therefore they went to the government and requested that the government pay for them to have uh, extremely brutal, extremely horrific age transform- sex transformation operations and uh, sex reversal operations that were brutal, that were sadistic. When you see the pictures of them, and I'm going to, going to deliberately avoid describing to you the physical evidence of what is done, but let me just share briefly and with great censorship a picture I saw just a couple of days ago regarding a sex change operation. There was, I don't know whether it was a boy or a girl, that was about 11 years old, and they were topless, okay? And they just had a towel wrapped around their waist, and they were topless. And so in the sex change operation, they had, it looked like the stitching, the brutal stitching of like a scarecrow or the brutal stitching of like, you know, the the, the cross in a chessboard. That brutal stitching was placed on the left breast and the right breast. So you couldn't tell whether there was breast tissue underneath that could potentially have certified that it was originally a male or a female. What you saw was this checkerboard pattern square of red scar tissue, where anything that constituted breast material was invasive and surgically removed from the boy or girl that wanted to have the sex change operation. And you could see the evidence of the brutal horror of what occurred to them. They weren't being liberated. They were being it looked like they were being sent to an experimental scientific camp in a concentration camp, like in Auschwitz and other concentration camps in Nazi Germany. It looked like that the young boys and the young girls who, who went through this operation went through a horrific psychological and biological abuse. Now I'll leave that there. So when we look at our society doing this across the world and in the United States, and when we look at the fact that the majority of these operations are carried out by the taxpayer using taxpayer dollars, we come up with an understanding that these activities are so brutal, so horrific that they they represent a rebirth. They represent a brutal rebirth of the Nazi mind control scientists, the Nazi. Uh, uh, genetic scientists and the na- Nazi surgeons, all or many of them who were involved in these radical sex change operations. So, when you saw the pictures, it was like being taken back into time to re experience the horrific brutality and cruelty and the monstrous inv- invasiveness of these sex change operations that were being conducted on innocent and unsuspecting little girls and boys who, uh, who may want to have had their sexes changed at 9 or 11 years old. This is maybe what they wanted, but, it's, but at the age of 9 or 11, it's very difficult to discern accurately precisely what any child wants in terms of making a long-term and permanent decision. So what we have here is millions of children whose 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 uh, breasts were removed surgically in a violent kind of a surgery, and uh, it's highly possible, given the nature of children and children of that age, that it's highly possible that five years after they had this grotesque operation. They may totally change their mind and they may totally deeply regret having their breasts or their penis or their vagina or whatever removed. And they may wish, with everything in them, to have another surgery which reverses the radical decision they made as children. Now, this is quite possible. So I think that even looking at this at, uh, with the most minimal level of intellectual integrity one has to suggest or ask oneself are the decisions that these young children are making to undergo a radical sex change operation is this are these children old enough and mature enough to 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 carry out uh the complete destruction of their god-given sexuality and are they fully cognizant and fully aware of the fact that they may not like the decision they've made, this is something that, that has to be considered. okay, so in a moment, we're going to come back to the big picture of what all of this means. Why is all of this going on now at this particular time in space time and history? Why now are we seeing a massive revolution against normal, a massive revolution which is designed to establish a new normal? Why now are we seeing this war, this all-out war on the nature of man and woman's identity, the all-out war on the nature of man and woman's sexual identity and biological identity. What is it? What is the driving force on planet Earth? What is the driving force that is providing the momentum for a literal sea change of of attitudes and behavior and choices and this this rising disf- dissatisfaction with with what is called normal and this rising crescendo of decisions that are designed to get millions of people to embrace the new normal because this this level of technology this level of transformation by the way up until this time has been unprecedented Unprecedented in human history. And it is one more evidence of the fact that we are living right smack in the middle of the greatest spiritual war or the greatest battle in the history of mankind. You and I live in a time zone. You and I live in a time period where we are living in the greatest battle for the hearts and minds of mankind in the history of the world. And Every one of us, as people who claim to be Christians, we have to have a biblical worldview. We have to have a deep knowledge of Bible prophecy and the Scripture. We have to have a deep knowledge of who God is and the principles of the Word of God. At this time, like never before, we must possess a level of knowledge that is so far beyond what people possessed in previous generations. Because it's only after we possess this level of knowledge and wisdom in the Word of God, it's only after that, that we have the possibility of being equipped supernaturally by renewing our minds on an exponential level with the Word of God. It's only pa- possible after we have activated the mind of Christ, after we have sought the face of God and asked for supernatural revelation and wisdom. It's only uh, possible after we've done these things that we can be even minimally or basically equipped to not only deal with what is called the normal, but to take it even further. It is only after we study ourselves to be approved. It's only after we rightly divide the Word of God that we can be prepared spiritually armed and spiritually dangerous to enter a new realm of what i call the highest level spiritual warfare that the human race has ever engaged in since the beginning of time so so let's revisit it briefly once again you and i live in a time period where we are engaged in what is called the greatest battle for the hearts and minds in the History of Mankind. And that's the title of one of my most important books, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World. So we need knowledge, which is power. We need to know Jesus. We need to know the Word of God. We need to aggressively and robustly develop a powerful biblical worldview. We need to be filled with the authentic, the authentic infilling of the Holy Spirit, and then we need to occupy the land until Jesus comes. Because the time is now. We are in this latter days, end times battle. And it should not be a surprise to us that the center of this latter times, end times battle, the center of the battle, is or consists within the very center of every man or woman on planet Earth. This, this, PhD in uh, psychological operations and and psychological warfare. Dr. Giordano was giving a lecture at a prestigious military college on the East Coast. And the name of his talk, and it was a very uh, uh, accurate name and a good name for the name of his talk, Dr. Giordano said these words He said that the greatest battle in the 21st century is the battle that is taking place in the human mind. So one of the foremost military experts in the world, a man fully acquainted with scientific warfare, psyops, biological warfare, genetic warfare, so on and so on, this man announced publicly to the military graduates in the highest branches of our military, and he said that, The greatest, the greatest military battlefield in the 21st century, is the battle uh, for the mind. So, the battlefield of the mind, or the battle of the mind, is where the greatest battlefields will exist in the 21st century. And so, if we use or borrow the term, uh, maintaining and achieving full spectrum dominance. That refers to a military term used over the last 100 years. Full-spectrum dominance refers to the military doctrine, especially in the United States. Full-spectrum dominance refers to the military doctrine where our military believes that the only way we can secure world peace, the only way that we can secure permanent victory on the battlefield, is to reject this... uh, individualistic, compartmentalized approach to modern military warfare, because he said as long as we, we maintain a, uh, a compartmentalized battlefield approach to modern military warfare, we are going to end up finding ourselves in a series of compartmentalized battles and thus ultimately destroyed. And ultimately defeated, Doctor Adorno then said that the goal of the modern military, whose primary battlefield will take place within the <clears throat> within what is called full spectrum dominance, and full spectrum dominance is the military uh, strategy idea that uh, in order for our military or superior militaries to win. Any war, including a potential war with outer space, a potential war uh, taking place in multiple dimensions, the only way we can be victorious in a multidimensional warfare is when we learn how to maintain with superior technology and superior knowledge. We learn how to maintain, and we learn how to be victorious over what the military calls full spectrum dominance. And the term full-spectrum dominance refers to a military concept in which the U.S. military must learn to dominate, must learn to occupy, must learn to control, must learn to rule over every individual category, every individual sphere of dominance uh, that happens to be occurring in any given battlefield. So the name of the game is we cannot win a World War III or whatever by simply dividing up the pie into you know many slices. We have to approach the pie, the battlefield, in light of full spectrum dominance, and we then have to learn how to through technology and weaponry and training and resources we have to learn how to implement and exercise full spectrum dominance where we dominate where we're victorious, and and where we win every single battle on every single diverse battlefield. Thus, we win the full-spectrum dominance. And the spectrums that we're going to dominate transcend the spectrums of previous generations. So it's not just a matter of winning full-spectrum dominance in, for example, the Navy, and ships and the ocean and submarines and under the ocean <clears throat> in earlier generations going back thousands of years, one of the the most practical military principles was the concept that that the military power or the empire that controlled <clears throat> warfare in the open seas and with boats uh, and with uh, sea vessel trading the military that that controlled or dominated the ocean, the ocean battlefields, and the seagoing vessels. It was that empire that would inevitably control and dominate the entire world because the the key battlefield was considered a battlefield of water, the oceans, shipping, shipping lanes, and trading ships. As time went on, uh, the categories of full-spectrum dominance Uh, expanded to including uh, full-spectrum dominance, and those categories of victory or dominance would include land-based armies, you know, foot soldiers, tanks, armored vehicles, trucks, uh, intense battles that took place on a physical land-based battlefield. And so you won or lose a war based on your ability, for example, to invade Poland and dominate Poland, to invade France and dominate France, to invade Germany and dominate Germany. So to the degree that you could dominate physical, earthbound territories would be to the degree you dominated and uh, were victorious in the war. Then you could add additional spectrums of dominance. <clears throat> or spectrums of uh, victory or uh, categories of warfare. You could add to that, even though the delivery systems for, let's say, atomic uh, weapons and atomic bombs, as depicted in the movie Oppenheimer, um, the the bombs initially were designed, the atomic and nuclear bombs uh, that initially that were designed to destroy uh, Nagasaki and other uh, uh, major cities in Japan and major cities and geographic locations around the world, these represented land-based military operations. So the full-spectrum dominance uh, spoke of dominating the spectrum of geography, Land occupation and victory and military warfare with tanks and nukes and missiles, land-based missiles, and the invasion and occupation of cities, etc., cetera, etc, cetera, in land-based spectrums of, of military victory. And then you could go on and on naming the different categories of full-spectrum dominance and military victory that came from full-spectrum dominance. Then, as the technology of war increased, um, we, we transcended things like uh, the spectrum of land-based dominance. And now, all of a sudden, for example, we had uh, massive air, airplanes that would, would fly over <clears throat> key cities in Japan. And while these uh, uh, giant airplanes were were carrying uh, nuclear bombs over key areas of Japan, they would drop the bombs uh, on these key military cities in Japan. And that was not necessarily considered an aerial spectrum of dominance. It was kind of a hybrid of an aerial spectrum of dominance mixed with a Land-based spectrum of dominance. So, so it was a hybrid. But in reality, when the U.S. military detonated the nuclear weapons, um, the atomic bombs uh, in Japan, on a land-based geographic spectrum, that allowed the U.S. military to invade and conquer and occupy until he comes to to conquer those areas. So that would be considered a land-based spectrum, even though they were dropped from airplanes. Now, as time went on, and the American military establishment began to interface with the Nazi rocket scientists like Werner von Braun, they began to interface with... Um, uh, the Nazi rocket scientists, like Werner von Braun, the Nazi mind control scientists, uh, the scientists like Werner von Braun and others who developed and implemented the B two rocket, um, all of a sudden the the Nazi scientists took a quantum leap in acquiring and evolving their their uh, space based weapons, their aerial weapons. Uh, that, that were fired down upon cities from the sky, that, that interfaced with satellite technology, uh, that, that were the payloads of these nuclear weapons were dropped from um, aerial planes, special giant superplanes, etc, etc. And so in this new phase of warfare that was pioneered by the Nazis, they were seek the nazis and wernher von braun who was the head of the rocket program head of the v2 rocket program and eventually wernher von braun was secretly imported into the united states of america and wernher von braun pioneered led and developed our nasa space program and our nasa rocket program and because our scientists were interfacing with and gathering knowledge from These highly advanced Nazi scientists that allegedly had tapped into and were harnessing what many refer to as uh, science fiction like science technology, science fiction like um, secret technologies, and science fiction like uh, powers that that were like in the realm of science fiction technologies of the future. So you had these these weapons that, that were electromagnetic frequency beams. They were like massive laser beams. They were like death ray beams. And instead of firing a missile at an enemy army or a tank, you would fire like a ray gun blast, which would vaporize the enemy's uh, Uh, spectrum of weapons. And so our scientists poured all over this this cutting-edge technology, uh, but the Nazis were way ahead. In fact, many people believed or alleged that the Nazis uh, had a number of secret space programs in which they built advanced rockets like the V-2, And the V-2 was a rocket that the Nazis would fire from the island of Thule off the coast of Europe and Germany. The Nazis would build these massive concentration camps, massive uh, construction camps, where from a topographical, cinematic point of view, when American spy planes and British spy planes went over these so-called concentration camps from the sky, all they would see would be the the thousands of concentration camp workers going deep down underground caves and assembling and building in deep underground caves. They were assembling and building and constructing the v 2 rockets on massive assembly lines. And it was a very elaborate subterfuge because they would, create an assembly line of V-2 rockets, but Britain and America couldn't see them being built from the sky because when America flew its spy planes over the concentration camps, like the ones on the island of Thule, all they would see would be these these giant concentration camps. And so, uh, for example, a gigantic massive guard tower would, would suddenly become erect via pulleys. And all you could see from the sky was apparently this gigantic um, uh, uh, guard tower, concentration guard tower with lights, etc., looking down on, on the top of a concentration camp. But the Nazis were very clever. Secretly, this tower was far, far more than a uh guard tower for the concentration camp, what it really was it what it really was was a, a highly sophisticated rocket tower constructed by the Nazi scientists. It was disguised to look like uh a Nazi concentration guard tower, but what it really was was a highly sophisticated nazi um uh, d 2 rocket construction launching pad, launching tower. So as we flew over with our movie cameras and our still cameras, we would see what looked like uh, an ordinary concentration camp with this massive tower that jutted out into the sky. But in reality, it wasn't a guard tower. In reality, it was a tower where a V2 or a series of V2 rockets was connected to this tower that reached thousands of feet upwards into the sky. And when the Nazi scientists pressed a button, it would ignite the V2 rockets on the V2 rocket launching pad. It would gain its inertia. The V2 rocket would fly straight up into the sky. On the, on the aerial tracks of the uh the, uh, the construction uh, uh assembly of the rocket tower so so from the sky it looked like you were shooting a v2 rocket up this this massive ladder and then it would shoot up straight in the sky it would go you know phenomenal speeds and it would it, it could land off the island of Thule and, and hit France and it could tra- it, it You could, they would. The, the, the Nazi scientists would literally bomb the, you know what, out of uh, Britain and London and the British troops and the American troops and everything else. They bombed, sorry for the verbiage, but they bombed the hell out of Britain and the U.S. by firing their very deadly V2 rockets. Up on this launching pad that was disguised to look like a concentration camp guard tower. Meanwhile, they had Jewish concentration camp victims working thousands of feet beneath the earth, and the Jewish concentration camp victims were working 24 7 to assemble deep underground V 2 rocket after V 2 rocket. And the V 2 rocket and its efficiency and its devastation was the secret weapon of the Nazis against Great Britain, America, and other European countries. So, to summarize this, the Nazis were like super geniuses, technologically, scientifically, and otherwise. And, and, And in a moment, I'm going to open up for you one of the deepest, darkest, satanic secrets that were behind the Nazis, that were behind... The Nazi V-2 rocket programs that were what was behind the Nazis' victories. I'm going to unveil for you the top-secret nature of their weaponry and where their weaponry originated, and why Hitler was very close, very, very close. Along with his Nazi scientists, Hitler was very close to literally starting World War III and literally winning World War III. And and then Hitler was very close to conquering the world, ruling the world after he was victorious in World War III. Most people don't know that. The Nazis came close to conquering the world during World War III. And that would have meant that today, if the Nazis had won, today you and I would be living in a completely different America. There would be no American flags There would be Nazi flags with the swastikas everywhere. There wouldn't be no freedoms. We would live in a military state with martial law run by the SS troops. We have no freedom, only propaganda. And we would live in a very dark, satanically driven, demon-possessed Third Reich. And Third Reich is, is, a, is a biblical, occultic, spiritual term for the, the thousand year, it's a, it's a counterfeit of the thousand year millennial rule of Jesus Christ. And the Third Reich represents the Nazis' occult vision that they would conquer the world and they would rule the world because they had a secret source of knowledge, a secret source of power, and they knew things. They were able to tap in. To extra-dimensional sources of power and wisdom, and I'm going to share that secret with you in just a moment. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report on Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us, and we will be back in just a moment. You are again now listening to the Paul McGuire Report. Okay, so when we when we take a aerial view of planet Earth and the cosmos. And we look at everything that's happening on earth. So, for example, Jesus Christ prophesied to us about the signs of the times. Now, Jesus Christ was the Son of God, so he had a supernatural relationship with God. In fact, he was God. The biblical God is the triune God, or the God of the Trinity, which simply means God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So God the Son is Jesus Christ. Uh, the Holy Spirit is God in the spiritual form. So Jesus had supernatural insight given to him by the Father of exactly what would happen in the future in a time period known as the last days or the end of the age. And and Jesus Christ talked about a bunch of stuff happening, such as uh, droughts, freak weather, storms, food shortages. Wars, rumors and wars. And when you when you do a a word study of wars and rumors of wars, you discover that the specific wars and rumors of wars that Christ was referring to was not just generic, you know, nuclear, chemical, biological wars, but the wars that Jesus Christ was referring to happened to do with race wars. So when you translate the words wars and rumors of wars, The Bible is specifically talking about the fact that in the last days, there will be an intensity of racial wars, ethnic wars, and so this racial group will be warring with that racial group, this ethnic group will be warring with that ethnic group. It's it's kind of like an environment of hyper-racism. Now, that's just one problem. Other problems are the freak weather, and that includes tsunamis hurricanes, tornadoes, droughts from, from the heat. So right now there's a lot of people on planet Earth. You may know them. The media certainly capitalizes on it. But there's a lot of people on planet Earth that are totally freaked out over what they are, are falsely convinced are events of freak weather, and they attribute these bizarre events of freak weather to uh, a, a an impossible theory known as climate change so every time they see a heat wave every time they see some downpour of water every time they see something that is like out of the ordinary in terms of weather conditions or could be construed as freak weather they their brains automatically go into the default mode and they come up with the false conclusion that this freak weather is always attributed to uh, Christ's statement and the signs of the times of wars and rumors of wars. But that's not true. That's not what has happened at all. The weather conditions are very much similar to the way the weather conditions have been for thousands and thousands of years. There's really nothing new. The, The ups and the downs of weather is cyclical. The heat waves and the, and the freezing cold, that is cyclical. All of the so called freak weather that we're watching is not really freak weather. It's the normal cyclical patterns of weather on planet Earth. But these people, and by these people, I'm specifically talking about a group of people that most people on planet Earth have a massive mental block in that. They cannot bring themselves to the place where they can intellectually comprehend the truth, where they can uh, intelligently examine the facts, assimilate the data, and come to a logical, rational, scientific conclusion that the freak weather, which would include tsunamis, which would include earthquakes, because weather is all related to earthquakes and tsunamis. They can't bring themselves to accept the cyclical nature of those things. And they have, and this is the most important thing, they have a very impure, a very manipulative agenda. And by that I mean they have a deep secret desire, a hidden agenda to artificially manipulate all discussions about freak weather and and stuff like that. They're deliberately manipulating the data. They're deliberately manufacturing a series of crises that otherwise do not exist. They are hyping up the numbers. They are deliberately manipulating, hyper-manipulating people's emotions so that people are being programmed through scientific mind control, through propaganda, and other means of shaping human behavior. They are amplifying in the hearts and minds of of people, a psychological state of mind, which could be labeled as uh, a kind of hyper hysterical state. And so all you need to do to produce a hyper-historical state is accumulate some data on weather extremes. Cold weather, hot weather, earthquakes, tsunamis, droughts, all you need to do is accumulate data that shows freak weather. And then when you intentionally tweak that data, warp that data, bend that data to selfishly uh, serve your purposes, in that you're not accurately and journalistically and scientifically reporting the ups and downs of what we would call normal weather variables. Instead, we're we're scrutinizing the data on weather and we're cherry-picking the data on weather in order to secure and find uh, inflammatory bullet points on weather facts that we can then use to create the psychological internal environment of a kind of hyper-paranoia, a hyper-paranoia about weather conditions. And so what we have right now, and we really, really, you and I together, and you and I have to be willing to have the courage to move forward, whether it's applauded or not, you know, whether you get an applause or whether I get an applause uh, regarding accurately uh, deconstructing the facts on weather, is really irrelevant in in the long-term scheme of things. The only thing that matters in the long-term scheme of things is that you and I faithfully and accurately and truthfully uh, report on and analyze variations in the weather with integrity and truthfulness. When we do that with integrity and truthfulness, we come up with the following constants and the following constants would suggest that the weather is not going up and down in some you know outrageously erratic style it's just not the weather is not going into a uh, a kind of hysterical hollywood weather apocalypse no i'm sorry it's just not weather is not going into an hysterical weather apocalypse modality it's not face it accept it everything that they've lied to you about the weather like you see the, the, the documentary footage of these giant glaciers supposedly, allegedly warming up to the sun. And then there's these the landsl- landslide of ice and snow falling from the tops of the uh uh giant, you know, icebergs and glaciers. But but that is not an aberrant sensationalistic condition. All that is is Somebody recording with a film camera or video over time. And if you shoot something long enough over time, you can capture normal weather variations. And so what's happening is people are capturing normal weather variations, which reveal, because we've never seen it before. I mean, you and I, and most people we know, have never really seen documentary footage before of glaciers and icebergs collapsing into the ocean. We just have not seen that much footage. So any footage we see affects us with kind of a shock and awe campaign. We're like blown away by what we're seeing, and human nature being what it is, we then run around like Chicken Little shouting, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. And we proclaim to everybody we know that we're in the middle of a weather apocalypse, and that global warming is the greatest threat to mankind since the creation of the world. And it was called global warming for a long time, because what all the so-called experts and self-proclaimed experts like Al Gore told us through his faulty, uh, misleading documentary film on global warming, Al Gore told us, you know, we're facing a weather apocalypse, and, you know, doom is here. And so we need to radically, we need to ultra radically reconstruct planet Earth, reconstruct society in the most radical ways so that we radically reduce our energy consumption, so that we radically reduce uh, certain elements in the atmosphere, so that we radically reduce all, all inputs into our physical environment that could cause our atmosphere to heat up and cause the melting of the ice caps and the melting of things like that. But the bottom line is, except for the fact that we've never really seen it before on video, as Proverbs says, there's nothing new under the sun. This is nothing to be alarmed about. This is nothing to be shocked about. It's the ordinary ebb and flow of weather, period. End of story. And so there were so many scientists who turned against Al Gore And who turned against all the climate change and all the, uh, uh, you know, global warming scientists. There were so many tens of thousands of scientists and researchers who refuted and exposed uh, the global warming theory and the global weather change theory. So many scientists refuted that, that it became a joke. It became a joke. And they amassed an enormous amount of scientific evidence that proved that not only was the weather not getting hotter, not only w- was uh, global warming a complete fiction, and that there was no danger from global warming, furthermore, the entire global warming narrative was nothing less. And I want you to really zoom in on my wording here. Because you're going to be talking to your friends and many self-proclaimed experts, and they're they're, they're delusional, and they're paranoid at best. They are running around in a state of hysteria, proclaiming that global warming is an ultra-dangerous threat to our world, and the ice caps are melting, and, you know, like Chicken Little, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. All of that is absolutely false. The atmosphere is not getting warmer. The waters, the temperature, the skies are not getting warmer. In fact, according to the overwhelming majority of reputable scientists, reputable scientists who are experts in the study of so called global warming and experts in the study of uh, climate change, according to all of these experts, they have declared emphatically that global warming. Is a total mythology. Global warming does not exist. Let me say that again. It's a complete lie to state that global warming is a threat because detrimental global warming does not exist. It's a non event, it is not important. In fact, the truth of that is so powerful when you study the facts, it's so powerful when you study the facts that all of these scientists. Have have backpedaled, have rejected their previous position on uh, global climate change and global warming, and now they have changed their position 180 degrees. And what they're now saying is there is no threat, and there is no such thing as global warming and global climate change. It's a non-existent threat, and so that takes us to another fact. That needs to be addressed publicly. And, the, and that fact is simply this. The serious nature regarding the false accusations and the man-made mythology of global warming is so out of the box, it's so egregious, that the fact of the matter is that there is no global warming threat that's viable at all. So global warming as a threat to mankind in the human race is completely non-existent, and that truth is so intensified and so and so overwhelmingly put together in terms of a factual documented basis that the opposite is true, and therefore the majority of respectable and the majority of well-known scientists are now saying the exact opposite. They are saying that not only is global warming not a threat, not only is global warming not dangerous, but global warming is a non-issue. Global warming is, in reality, a total conspiracy theory. And so it became so embarrassing for these scientists, so egregious to these scientists, They were losing all their credibility, which means they were losing all their scientific grants. And the reason they were being disgraced publicly is because not only is global warming completely mythological, but global warming is not a threat whatsoever. So that means that global warming is totally a non event, it is not a threat by any means. And when the day is done, the exact opposite is true. Not only is global warming not a threat, but global warming is, to such a high degree, a non-event that, that the real problem facing mankind is the exact opposite. So once again, not only is global warming not a threat, but the, but the real threat to mankind is being covered up and it's being minimized. And, and this, in a nutshell, is the real threat to mankind it's not a threat posed by global warming it's a threat posed by and you see they were so embarrassed they were so disgraced that they had to rebrand and rename the 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 name of their threat they had to completely rebrand and rename the name of their threat so in order to preserve any credibility whatsoever they now call the threat of global warming since there is no global warming they now call that Global climate change. So they've rebranded the threat. They've rebranded the danger, and the danger has a new name. And, and the new name is kind of a one-size-fits-all uh, crisis. The new threat is now called uh, global climate change. And by calling the new threat global climate change, this allows them the the spacious room the large intellectual environment to be able to continue to claim outrageous lies, outrageous propaganda for the purposes of creating mass chaos and, and hysteria. So they now have relabeled and renamed what was once called global warming. And now they call it global climate change. This simply means that any deviation in global temperatures, any, any change, any radical change in global temperatures, uh, in, in, in the global climate, any change globally in temperatures, whether the temperatures are getting hotter or whether the temperatures are getting colder, they now can be thrown out there. And when you add a little spin to it, you can now claim the sky is falling, the sky is falling no matter what direction the climate goes in. So if the climate goes into the modality of climate change based on warmer temperatures, you can rightfully say it's caused by global warming, and you're safe. And you've covered your you-know-what. So you're safe if you say global warming is caused by a rise in global temperatures. You're totally safe. You're totally covered. but if the temperatures get colder and thus the climate gets colder you're equally safe if you go on that end of the spectrum because if you're if you're blowing the trumpet of hysteria by claiming that temperatures are getting colder and colder you're still safe because you can still use the same propaganda language over and over again and now you simply call it by its new name which is uh, global climate change. And you assert militantly that the climate is getting colder and colder. And a colder climate represents uh, a greater possibility of a threat of extinction to the human race. So now, in whichever direction it goes in, whether it goes in a hotter climate, a hotter temperature, or if it goes in the direction of a colder climate or a colder temperature, either way it goes you have the right to call that global climate change. It goes colder, it's due to climate change. It goes hotter, it's due to climate change. And so this way, by creating a new vocabulary of fear, you, no matter which way the climate goes, you win. You win in your operation hysteria and paranoia. You win. And your agenda of creating fear and then a big planetary government to to save you from the fear that agenda can move full speed ahead whether you're claiming global climate change because it's colder or whether you're claiming global climate change because it's hotter it's win win you see how the game is played this way you win either way now finally so so now the united nations and all these environmental organizations that receive un money and World Health Organization money, all the propaganda unleashed on the public by by uh, uh, climate change activists, global warming activists, all the, the the panic generated by uh, activists, environmentalists, and everything else. You now have a legitimate and valid right to say that the clo- that the cause of the radical climate change and the cause of the radical uh, environment getting colder or hotter, it can still now be truthfully blamed on either uh, due to the fact that the climate is getting colder or the climate is getting hotter. Either way you go, you win. And that way, your your social engineering, scientific mind control uh, technology and verbiage is applicable and usable. Whether you're going to claim the Earth's getting colder or whether you're going to claim the Earth's getting hotter, it's a win situation for you. You can continue to stir up hyper-paranoia and fear. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us now, and we'll be back in just a moment. This is Paul McGuire. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. Okay, so what are the global, societal, national implications of, of creating a false thesis based on a false and deeply flawed scientific theory? What are What is the outcome in terms of your ability to utilize effective propaganda, effective Mind control, effective uh, uh, verbiage, effective social engineering, effective brainwashing. What, What is the result of stirring up hysteria, fear, confusion, and chaos in the mass population by generating synthetic and artificial hysteria using classic brainwashing methodology you can stir up among Populations anywhere on planet Earth, you now have the possibility of writing a blank check in terms of creating ultra hyper paranoia and fear and propaganda based on a completely faulty upside down Alice in Wonderland. I fell down the hole to meet the Mad Hatter, and when I met the Mad Hatter, the Mad Mad Hatter spouted out gibberish about. Uh, Freak weather and uh, uh, the world going upside down due to climate change and global warming or whatever you want to call it what 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 happens next okay so remember Al Gore thing about Al Gore is a total hypocrite. The elite are total hypocrites they you remember that big expensive jet that uh, President Trump flew around in uh, when he gave his speeches all over the country so he could outrun the rigged media. You all remember that. Okay. He has a right to fly in his own private jet, which he earned from his own private money. Okay. Because he isn't using taxpayer money. He's using his own corporate money. Number two, his campaign is not based and never was based on uh, saving the world from a a mythological crisis known as environmental Environmentalism or climate change, so he has every ethical and moral right to fly around the country in the giant jet, and why does he have that right? Well, I'll explain it to you, but you already know the answer the The messaging remember the statement from the military psychological operations Warfare head, Dr. DiOgiorno, he said that the battle for the 21st century will occur in the mind. So that means everything in your mind, visual, phraseology, or whatever, can be weaponized and is being weaponized to create impressions, to to indoctrinate people. So um, most corporate heads hide their giant, giant jets. Don't think that they don't have them. Don't think for a moment that the heads of the social media companies and the heads of All these big internet companies and the heads of all these giant corporations. Don't think for one nanosecond that these guys and girls, including government employees, don't drive around in monstrously obscene, gigantic, super gigantic jumbo jets because they do. Now, the reason Trump had to fly a jumbo jet is first of all, he's bringing all the press with him on the jet. Number two, his staff is all on the jet. Number three, he's doing the majority of his work from the jet, which contains many offices. Plus, he needs private quarters for his wife and his family so that he can rest up and and continue to maintain a grueling schedule. But the, the psychological dynamic that occurred when the audience would see Trump physically robust and running down the steps of this monstrous monstrous jumbo jet parked in front of a private airport or a private uh, airport landing area that was exclusively dedicated to him because he paid for it the, the the net effect of that visual was this people made the association that Trump was a winner that Trump was as strong and more powerful than the president of the United States. And many other positive attributes were attributed to him simply because he jetted around the country in a giant jumbo jet. People then make the subconscious, and this is the, the, the basis of mind wars, people then made the subconscious association that he was a winner, that he was a player, that he was more powerful and more intelligent than the corporate giants and all the parasites that that fly in jumbo jets because they're illegally milking the American public. So it was a good thing for Trump to do that. And, and, And from a PR standpoint, it was an intelligent thing to do. Now, when he gave the speeches, the messaging of him running down the steps from his giant jumbo jet was very, very positive. Because you see, on a psychological level, When people see the president of the United States of America or the VP of the United States of America, when they, when presidents get out of their jumbo jet, run down the steps to greet the crowd, your subconscious mind is resonating with the message that the president must be smarter, more intelligent, more wealthy, more powerful, more dynamic, and more globally influential than me the, the, the average Joe watching this, and that more intelligent than the media, et cetera, et cetera. So you see the symbolism of a robust Trump running down the stairs of of out of his jumbo jet sends a subconscious or subliminal message into the potential voter that Trump is a player, that Trump is powerful, most of all because he earned his right for a jumbo jet the old fashioned way. This is the basis of the difference between truth, integrity, and lying, deception, and social engineering, and marketing. The two different things, because one is the promotion of a mythological lie, and one is the communication or promotion of a truth. So back to the uh, Trump on his jumbo jet versus the. Uh, Prince of paranoia, as as it uh, connects to uh, uh, global warming, Al Gore. You know, I watched his movie, An Inconvenient Truth. And if you have half a brain, and if you have a minimal retention of an intellect, and you were to watch his movie, An Inconvenient Truth, it's complete. It's a complete farce. It's a complete lie. It's a complete propaganda. It's complete manipulation. Why? Because it's not true. So the consensus of this large number of scientists, years after an inconvenient truth came out, and by the way, uh, Al Gore would fly to all his speaking engagements all across the country in a private jumbo jet, burning thousands and thousands of gallons of fuel, completely polluting the atmosphere. That's what he did, he completely polluted the atmosphere and consumed an obscene amount of gasoline, which was spewed over cities as he traveled. And then when you would go to Gore's mansion, and I forgot where it's located, his private mansion, the grounds upon which he lives, is all built on the, the massive consumption of fuel and energy that is needed to, to, to heat his Olympic-sized swimming pool and keep the temperature of his Olympics, Olympic-sized swimming pool at, like, you know, uh, kind of like bathtub body water temperature. And, and in order to do that, and he does that, you know, like uh, uh, every month out of the year, he is, he is consuming massive amounts of, of fuel. He's burning up a huge carbon footprint. In other words, he's an energy whore. He's a flat-out energy whore and a total, total hypocrite. Now, you could go on and on and on with these kinds of examples, but these people who are those who are of the globalist elite, and this is what I want to drive home, the heads of the globalist elite, the satanic elite, or whatever you want to call them, many of them are the richest people in the world. They are the super billionaires. They also happen to be worshippers of Satan. But they're the super billionaires the richest people in the world, and many of them secretly are, 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 are trillionaires. I mean, big-time trillionaires. And all the, the big shots in, in the Great Reset and the World Economic Forum and, and the World Health Organization, people like Bill Gates, and we can go on and on and on, Zuckerberg, the head of Amazon, guess what? They live on this earth like princes and princesses. They. They own massive ranches and estates on Maui, in the part of Maui that wasn't vaporized. Uh, they have multiple mansions and estates and, and, and working ranches, not just in one location. They have like 12 to 24 or more of these mansions and estates uh, sequestered all over the world. They, they, and then they have not one Monster jet, they have multiple, multiple massive jumbo jets. I, I for my amusement, it comes out in some magazine. I forgot what it was. I don't buy it, but I look at it when I'm standing in line at the supermarket and I'm looking at all these gig- I'm looking at pictures of the world's largest super yachts, pictures of who the owners are of the largest uh, super yachts what the interior of the largest super yachts contain, what the exterior of the largest super yachts contain. And I could name the names of all the big shots and tech giants and, and trillionaire families and the people who own this. I mean, these are the, the globalist elite, okay? So, so I forgot where they were, but they all the globalist elite were gathering together as kind of a, like a, a globalist family picnic somewhere. And so they're, they're living like kings and queens. And, and this magazine is photographing, like, everything, and it's, the videos of it are everywhere. And these billionaires or trillionaires are pulling in with their mega, mega, mega yachts. I'm talking about yachts so big. I've never seen yachts so big. And they're pulling in to this area in their mega yachts. And you see the interiors and the, the exquisite interior decorators made with, with the finest of woods. And and jewels and carpeting and 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 paintings are hung from the interiors of their living room on the superyachts. But these paintings are worth sometimes like twenty five million dollars a piece because they're the paintings of, of of great painters like Picasso and and others. And so these people, every I mean, they have multiple hot tubs. They have multiple these ships that I'm looking at that these private trillionaires own. Are larger than most of the big ex- with the exception of the more recent uh, uh, generations of um, of uh, aircraft carriers, these private yachts are in the size range of these uh, modern aircraft carriers, and yet they are very futuristic looking they're lux- they're luxurious beyond description. They have multiple floors, ballrooms, dance rooms, private theaters, indoor swimming pools, multiple indoor swimming pools. And then you go lower and you go into this palatial science fiction-like <coughs> area and you see, uh, I forgot who it was, it was somebody at the level of uh, Bill Gates. I'm not saying it was Bill Gates. I, I forgot who the owner was. But he owned multiple... Uh, portable submarines of all different sizes, to, to like a small-sized portable sub submarine, two-seater, you know, like a six-seater portable submarine. So I think he had a total of four or five portable submarines that were exquisite and state-of-the-art and could do all different things. Some of them could go down to to touch the bottom of the ocean. And so then you have all these submarines they can play with. And then they don't drive to visit their yachts. They fly on their private jets, their private helicopter jets, their private helicopters. They have an entire air force of luxury, high-end, multiple-use, multiple-application jets for, for any purpose. They can fly in from an adjacent island. Uh, some, I mean, I can't describe it because I haven't even seen this level of technology on um the, the jets and the submarines used by our own military. And so then they named the people, and I would say, many of the jets were priced at 200 million, 250 million, 400 million, 500 million, occasionally hundred million or so. They were like super expensive. Many of them were on, the movie stars, except for the big, big, big shots like the super directors and superstars who owned large yachts. Most of these people, you know, were the high-tech billionaires and stuff, and most of them, uh, they, 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 they owned that their wealth is beyond anything that you and I can imagine. And normally, magazines don't cover their wealth. So they can, for example, fly in a—everything it, they have is futuristic-looking. They can fly in, like, a helicopter jet, which will go straight up, it doesn't kind of land in from the side. A helicopter jet that let's say seats six people. It's it's you know leather interior, sound system, and so it's designed. This jet, this this helicopter jet that's so futuristic, is designed to shoot up straight into the air, and then when it reaches a particular height, it it uh, its engines aim it can go back and forth between jet engines and and propellers. And it can travel at extremely high speeds to another island, to another boat. So they can get anywhere in the world in a moment's notice. They can fly to Davao for a globalist meeting. They can fly anywhere. And and, and then they show you, occasionally, uh the, the, the various mansions, the various estates. And these people will on often twelve Twelve estates, mansions, ranches uh, that are equipped with deep, super high security underground luxury bases, where they have deep underground luxury bases that are built uh, to to allow people to survive World War III and riots and anything else, but allow but allow people to survive and thrive in luxury deep underground. So there's there's lifelike artificial lighting. There is artificial lighting that's lifelike. Where you have uh, the servants, of course, do all the work. But but deep underground luxury farms with luxury flower beds and and palatial rows of uh, organic gardens, because these people only eat the most nutritious and the highest level organic food. And and that's just the tip of it. So. These people, the globalist elite, the trillionaires, while they're issuing statements like what the head of the WEF said, where he said, you will own absolutely, he's talking to us, the the slave race, you will own absolutely nothing. I forgot the exact quote. He said something like, you will own absolutely nothing, but you'll never be happier in your whole life. So their endgame is based on telling lies to the masses, telling the masses that you'll own absolutely nothing. That means you won't own your house, you won't own your bicycle. They mean it's like pure communism. You will own absolutely nothing. And then they said, but then you'll never be happier in your whole life. Now, they're not saying that to be cute. They're not saying that to share the wealth, idiot. They're not saying that to, to redistribute the wealth. Idiot They're not saying that to to give everybody an equal opportunity at the American dream moron they're not saying that fool, you know why I'm insulting people? I'm not trying to mean I'm trying to use my vocabulary to in a sense intellectually and symbolically slap you in the face in the in the hope that you'll wake up out of your stupor. You're being conned and lied to that kind of language is the exact same language that the communist revolutionaries used against the people of Russia right before they took everything the Russian people owned and turned them into slaves. That kind of language was used by Adolf Hitler and the Nazis before they took over and established the Third Reich. You got it? They are telling you straight out exactly what they plan to do. Okay? you really got to get a grip and get out of your lethargic, I lost my mind somewhere and I can't remember where I put it, modality. They're not playing games. Everything they say they're going to do, guess what? History tells us that when totalitarians and dictators tell you what they're going to do, history tells us that they actually end up doing it, so you shouldn't be shocked. The track record is that whenever the elite tells you what they're going to do in advance, you better believe They're going to do everything they told you they're going to do in advance. And so the communist revolutionaries in China and and, and Russia and other places, they came in and and almost word for word told the people the same lies. The communist revolutionaries told the people the same lies. They said, you will own absolutely nothing because we're going to share. The inference is we're going to share all the wealth equally. You will own absolutely nothing, and you'll never be happier in your life. Now, if you read any history book or study anything about history, what you will discover is it's a lie mixed with the truth. The the, the lie mixed with the truth is the masses of people, the working class, the middle class, all of us who are going to be their slaves, we will own absolutely nothing. They'll own it. Right now, they're buying up all the houses and condos and trailers and everything else. They're buying it up, and then they have every intention of forcing you not to own it, but forcing you to pay rent on all the housing properties that they bought up and and then they're going to rent it to you for a profit and they're They're flooding the internet with these romantic, idealistic pictures of these like portable houses with massive glass ceilings and, and massive glass walls. And and these portable houses with uh, gl- glass walls and ceilings and and modest but but obviously designed by a high end interior decorator and all of these houses are exquisitely placed in the mountains in scenic areas they're they're exquisitely placed a far distance from the other houses they're exquisitely placed on palatial cliffs overlooking rivers and and mountains, and, and and snowy ski ranges, it's all so beautiful. It's all so seductive. It's all so wonderful. But look, I really do. I'm resisting the temptation because I'd like to whack you in your face, man. I'm telling you, the best thing that could happen to you, and I'm not going to do it. I'm speaking figuratively. But the best thing that could happen to you is that somebody whose brain was turned on would walk up to you and crack you one right in the face. That's a New York style Deprogramming trick. When people became suckers and people were about ready to, to, to be ripped off by con men and 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 you know thieves and stuff in New York City. This is where I grew up. I learned I learned reality from the law of the jungle. Some of you don't seem to have ever learned anything about reality. So in the law of the jungle, what I learned about reality is in a carnal, worldly, biblical, fallen sense. Um, in that sense, not in God's sense, but in a carnal sense, yeah, it's true, in a carnal sense, the law of the jungle applies. Only the fittest survive. Now, you've got to face that, because that's the way it works in this fallen world. There are the god kings and the elite, and then there are the slaves. And when you look at the lives of the slaves and apply Darwinian evolution, only the fittest survive, you'll notice that the middle class, the working class, you will become the slaves of the globalist elite. And guess what? They're lying to you about this palatial lifestyle. Do critical thinking. Use your brain. Turn your brain on and think it through. Do you think the wealthiest people in the world are going to actually give you anything? Are they really going to give you even one cent's worth of value? No, they're not. They're not going to give you anything. You're going to get nothing. When this economic shuffle is finished, you're not going to get anything. Wake the blank up. What you'll get is a society that is totally raped, ravaged, and destroyed, oh, yeah, you'll own nothing. But I promise you, mark my words, write it down in your notebook with a pen or put a note in your cell phone. I promise you, I promise you with everything in me, and I'm not lying to you, I'm telling you the truth. I promise you with everything in me, by the time the day is done, yeah, you will own absolutely nothing. And that sounds like a communist globalist paradise. But what it really means when they say you'll own absolutely nothing is that you'll own absolutely nothing. You'll have nothing that you can say is mine. I own it. The American dream will be detonated with multiple sticks of dynamite and burned down with can after can of inflammable gasoline. That's what you'll get. Nothing. And never forget it. Quality health care. Do you think? How stupid can you be, man? I mean, really? quality health care, equally redistributed, and we all get the great health care. Do you think that they're going to give you access to the same quality health care that Bill Gates gets, that Henry Kissinger gets, that that, that the head of Google gets, that the head of of all these different tech companies get, that, that all the big trillionaires get? Do you really think, are you so dumbed down, are you so lethargic, are you so lobotomized in your brain that you actually think for one minute that you're going to get uh, a level of lifestyle where you're going to get high-quality health care. No, you're going to get cheap, Marxist, communist, Chinese, Canadian-style health care. Now take a good snort of the foul wind in the room. That's health care that's so lousy that in Canada, people are dying every day, waiting the 6 to 12 months to actually get access to their free communist socialist health care. Because yeah, they got Trudeau Trudeau gave them free health care, but what with the catch, you're going to have to wait twelve to six months before your communist Marxist health care will allow you to see a qualified doctor, and in most cases, people die waiting. You're not going to get the same nutrition, you're not going to get the same food. There are medical instruments and medical technology available to you right now which can. Heal you of all kinds of diseases. For example, the Medbed technology is a futuristic, science fiction-like technology that will heal your body, your brain, your bloodstream and your organs. It will heal you completely from a wide, wide range of diseases and aging and sicknesses and everything else. I mean, it's almost miraculously. It's futuristic technology that has the power to heal you genetically and extend your lifespan. But guess what? Do you think that that futuristic technology like the MedBed, like cutting-edge medicine that really works, do you think that there is so much... Me- wake up, fool. I mean, really, wake the blank up. Do you think that all this technology that's available now, highly advanced medical technology, highly advanced nutrition and medicines, highly advanced uh, medical tech and doctors and procedures that can, in effect, cure you, from fatal diseases, extend your lifespan and, and cure you and heal you from all kinds of so called incurable diseases. That's available now. The super rich, they're flying all over the world to go to those healing clinics. The super rich are being, their longevity is being increased, their longevity is being increased, they, they are enjoying the benefits of. A reverse aging process where they no longer age and get older, but their bodies, their molecules, their body, soul, and spirit is not only not aging anymore, it's going through a process of what they call reverse engineering, and they're becoming younger and younger and younger. And this is available to the super rich, the super wealthy elite, the globalist elite, and the Luciferian elite. That technology that level of medical care, those highly confidential, highly secretive cures, which are already operational, are up and running for the super rich. But they they have hidden from you. Listen to me. Please listen to me. I've done my homework. I know what I'm talking about. Listen to me. Those same medical technologies that keep you younger and stronger and healthier, they're available to Kissinger and Gates and all those other people. But guess what? They are not available to you. You you are not even allowed to know about them. It it is kept top secret and top confidential for you to even know that these advanced medical technologies even exist. So there's not going to be equal redistribution of the wealth. If you believe that, you've been sucker punched one too many times. Now I want to finish with this. We're moving into a world. Very quickly. I've done my homework. I know what I'm talking about. You want to debate with me? That's fine. You and I will debate. Nobody will turn off the microphone when I'm speaking or you're speaking. It will go out live. If you attempt to cheat or dominate the conversation, I'll have my engineer cut the mic only because you're trying to unequalize the playing field. And we will debate, and you won't be able to cheat with looking at a computer or a laptop or whatever. You're going to have to know your stuff by memory. And you and I will discuss what, what, what I just said. And what will happen is, you're going to be very embarrassed. Because I have a, let's just put it this way, any information that is important to me, I have a photographic memory of the contents. And so I have the photographic ability to memorize vast, vast amounts of documentation, quotes, And I have the ability to assimilate a vastly diverse and incredibly wide spectrum of cutting-edge technology, wisdom, science, history, mathematics, philosophy, theology, and everything else. So if you want to challenge me on my assertions, go for it. But you you will have no opportunity, after you're defeated and embarrassed and humiliated, you will have no opportunity uh, for a second chance, because I gave you your chance. It is what it is. My goal is not to embarrass you personally. My goal is not to humiliate you personally. My goal is to expose the fact that behind your bravado, behind your thumping of your chest, like most people who argue from a position of ignorance, you really don't know what you're talking about. You're basically clueless, and you have no basic clue or understanding, nor do you have the information available to you internally to document, or through logic and reason and cognitive ability and perception, argue your point. So we can debate, but be forewarned, you're going down. And it's not because I'm malicious, not because I'm egotistical. In fact, I even toyed with the idea of hiding who I am in the debate. So it would be somebody else. We'd change my voice so nobody could accuse me of getting ego strokes from it, because that's not my goal. But you, you would lose. You see, I don't have the luxury to, to allow this nation to complete the trajectory that it's on right now. Right now, the trajectory America and the rest of the world is on is you and I are destined and scheduled for a total electronic dictatorship ruled by the globalist elite and the satanic elite. And everything they propose is a lie. They have the mentality of Nazis. They are seducing the ignorant and exploiting the ignorant through systematic lies. They are cheating in the game of life everywhere you turn. They tell you to work harder, but they don't pay any taxes. They tell you to do this, but they don't do it. The time has come, because tomorrow is not promised to us, my friends. The time has come for you and I to draw a line in the sand, to adhere to our fundamental, and by that I mean our core, biblical worldview beliefs. And the time has come for us to repent, first and foremost, to repent of being cowards before God, because the sin of cowardice is the number one sin listed by God in the book of Revelation. What is the sin that God lists first and foremost? He he calls his people to to repent of cowardice and to repent of giving in to a spirit of fear. What is binding God's people from doing what they know that they should be doing, from doing what they know is right? What is preventing them? They have given themselves over to a spirit of mind control, a spirit of of fear, and a spirit of um, chaos. And this is not the normal machinations of, of rational thinking, intellectual thinking. What you're looking at is the byproduct of people who have been assaulted long-term by targeted specific numerical electromagnetic frequencies that have the net effect of rendering onto individuals on a mass level without them knowing it. They use EMF waves to dominate, to control the minds, the thoughts, the hearts, the beliefs, and the actions of millions of people. And so that battle must be engaged in on a twofold manner. First, it has to be engaged in spiritually because we're dealing with spirits. And secondly, it has to be engaged in um, technologically because specific electromagnetic frequencies cause brain entrainment or conform your brain to a habitual methodology of thought, like paranoia, like fear, like unbelief, etc., etc. God has given us the power to defeat all of that if we'll obey Him. And the way God calls us to, to defeat all that if we obey Him is we call on Jesus Christ, we worship Jesus Christ, we ask Jesus Christ to fill us with His Holy Spirit, we ask Jesus to renew our minds with the word of God and then by faith we begin to step out into the spiritual battlefield like Joshua and Caleb did, like David did when he went against Goliath, and when the servant of Elijah, when the servant of Elijah whose name was Elisha, he was freaking out when he saw the mighty Syrian army coming at him and the armies of the children of God and he was in a consciousness of total freakout, and so he was totally freaked out, and he cried out to Elijah the prophet and While he was totally freaking out, the Lord God Almighty supernaturally opened his eyes, and when God opened the eyes of Elijah, Elijah was supernaturally able to see the massive chariots of fire coming down from heaven and invading. The mountaintops. So the massive chariots of fire were assembling on the mountaintops and they were glowing with a supernatural glow, a supernatural, uh, pure radioactive, non, not in the nuclear pollution sense, but a, a supernatural radioactive glow, which meant that the glory of God Almighty was infusing and enhancing the chariots of fire and the the soldiers riding the chariots of fire. So the technology of God came out of one dimension and entered the, deme- the other dimension where the battle was raging. The chariots of fire glowed supernaturally with the glory of God. And then as Elijah's servant looked up, he saw in addition to the chariots of fire, he saw the, the uh, armies of God. He saw the thousands and thousands of the armies of God coming out of another dimension and moving out of another dimension into this physical earth world, what we call reality dimension. So the chariots of fire by the multiplied thousands left one dimension and entered another dimension. When this happened, the armies of Israel were mobilizing while at the same time, the the armies that represented the chariots of fire and the armies that represented the, the, the armies of God or the angelic armies gathered together in the center of the battlefield, and they were preparing themselves to come against supernaturally in the power of the Holy Spirit or the dunamis dynamite power of God. They were par- preparing to come against the Syrian armies and the Syrian strongmen, and so they did just that. Elisha gathered the armies of heaven and the armies uh, that represented the children of God, and they began to mobilize to attack the chariots of fire, which represented the technology of God, and they mobilized to represent the angelic armies. So there was a vortex of incredible supernatural power that was pouring in from another dimension, the same dimension that opened up the portals in mystery babylon in mystery babylon the tower of babel was built by nimrod and the various the tower of babel consisted of numerous interdimensional portals which functioned as stargates or functioned as doorways from the invisible realm and spiritual dimension into the physical Earth world dimension. So if you were in ancient Babylon, you would have begun to see tens of thousands of warriors supernaturally anointed with the dunamis dynamite power of God. And these tens of thousands of warriors would have been pouring out of the spiritual dimension. And then they would have gone into the physical earth world dimension where they were going to overturn and conquer in the power of the Holy Spirit, they were going to conquer what was formerly called the New World Order, or the Mystery Babylon System. And once again, the doorways in Mystery Babylon were interdimensional portals by which um, the, the angelic armies moved from one dimension into another dimension. And we see this repeated over and over again in the Bible. Now, in our time, We have the globalist elite, we have the uh, uh, massive battle between the interdimensional entities or fallen angels or armies of heaven, and they are flowing out of the supernatural dimension and they're flowing into the physical earth world dimension. Now, at this point, these interdimensional portals have been opened. And what opened them were the angelic armies, the supernatural power of God, and they created open doors or portals by which the armies of heaven and the technology of God, or the angelic, uh, uh, angelic armies, opened their doors and allowed there to be a flood of release into the physical dimension world of the angelic armies. Now that brings us to this very moment, the last days. At this very moment in space, time, and history known as the last days, God Almighty, the supreme being of the universe, he is gathering his elect, those people who have been saved since the beginning of the world, God is gathering his elect, God is gathering the angelic armies, God is utilizing the technology of God, or the chariots of fire, and God's angelic armies and the chariots of fire and the other technologies are lit up and glowing with the most intense supernatural brightness that was ever seen. They were radiating with the glory of God with with great intensity. And at this moment, God makes a decree from heaven. He recognizes that the the worship of Lucifer, thus the, the satanic elite, thus the angelic armies, that the worship of Lucifer and Lucifer's plans for the rebirth of the New World Order, a one-world government, a one-world religion, and a one-world economic system, that rebirth is occurring in ancient Babylon, and that rebirth is allowing the portals to be opened, the angelic armies to to materialize in front of the demonic principalities and powers, and now God Almighty is is raising himself up as King of Kings and Lord of Lords on the throne room of God. So we'll repeat that. God Almighty is raising himself up as King of Kings and Lord of Lords as he goes through the portals along with the angelic armies in the in the throne room of God and in ancient Babylon. And so at this moment, the children of the Most High God—that's me and you and every person who's saved and every person who has experienced salvation by faith in Jesus Christ, we are gathering together in oneness, just like the disciples did and the apostles did on the day of Pentecost, where, where they gathered together as one, and God poured out His Holy Spirit. Just like when uh, on the day of Pentecost, God baptized in the Holy Spirit His children as they gathered together as one, in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. This released power from on high on God's children. This released power from on high in the upper room, and this allowed God's people, God's men and women, to be clothed supernaturally with power from on high, so that the dunamis, dynamite, explosive power of God could be released, and Satan, the fallen angels, the demons, and all, all the armies of hell that attempted to, to fight back against the power of God found themselves in mortal combat. And so the preparatory phase of the angelic armies riding white horses and coming down from heaven following Jesus Christ, who's riding a white horse, as King of kings and Lord of lords, this divine assembly of the angelic armies and the technology of God prepares the way for God's armies and God's people riding white horses to defeat the enemies of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords on the battlefields of earth and heaven simultaneously. And the tide of the battle is turned. So at this juncture, I want to say to you, if you pray to the Lord and trust the Lord, the Lord promises you individually and he promises us collectively The Lord is saying to you, and the Lord is saying to me right now, that the tide of the spiritual battle has been turned, past tense. In space and time, and outside of space and time, you and I are no longer to be subjugated, to be conquered, to be made slaves of. You and I are no longer to be conquered by the angelic armies and the armies of the demons and fallen angels. We have to obey the Lord, and obedience to the Lord at this moment in space and time requires that you and I hear the voice of the Lord summoning each of us individually. As we hear the voice of the Lord summoning each of us individually, we can do nothing less than stand right now. We stand and we make the decision by faith to rise now in the power of the Holy Spirit. So as all of God's people in one assembly and functioning as one as we as God's people function together as one as we choose as we're called by God almighty as we choose to rise now in the power of the Holy Spirit as we rise in the power of the Holy Spirit there is a subsequent release from heaven to earth of power from on high so we rise in the power of the Holy Spirit releasing Power from on high, through us, in us, we release power from on high through the portals which function as doorways into the earth realm. We rise in power from on high, and as such we stand victoriously, and in faith we walk as more than overcomers in Christ Jesus. This is Paul McGuire. Together we occupy the land, and we have a spiritual battle to win. Visit paulmcguire.us, That's paulmcguire.us. I need you to rise, stand with me, and give as the Lord requires you to give so that we can reach people through this ministry. Stand as God calls you to stand, and above all, stand with us in the spiritual battle as intercessory prayer warriors, as kings and queens, and stand with us as we unite together in the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome the evil one. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us back tomorrow.